New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. It's a beautiful morning. The birds are chirping. The sun is shining. And you're listening to... Breakfast with Razzie. Next up, some smooth jazz on your drive to unemployment. What the fuck? I know it's mean to say you're green, but you got to leave WWE. You're not fit to be the shit, so stay at home and make my grits. <laughs> That's the first verse. If anybody's looking for a new co-host for any radio <laughs> show, I'm available. Good evening, wrestling fans, entertainment fans, this is Anthony of wrestling-news.com. Thank you very much for tonight. Oh, how I had no idea that the wrestling world was filled with atheists. Dixie, you are forgiven. Hey, Kermit D. Frog, I am the new GM for Raw. NXT, NXT, yay! Get the fuck out of here. Go into the TNA Impact Zone with one of those metal detector wands, and when Hogan comes out to cut his promo and he's doing the air guitar, just turn the fucking thing on. <laughs> Since youngins do listen, some of your youngins out there do listen, I think it's a little bit too inappropriate to be using the word cut on this show. People out there, remind me in a little while the word Hindu. That's how the shows go. If you're new to the show, whatever comes to my mind, that's what I say. <laughs> uh, total non-stop Anthony That's what you got tonight Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop My God Ring of Honor Desperately trying to keep their attendance From falling under 200 What I read moments ago Jesus fucking Christ Talk about Desperation, pandering, just the overall just perception of what's going on. My God, this is sad to watch. Yes, they averaged more than 200, but lately, come on, I think people out there will admit, Ring of Honor, when you look at all the other uh, bigger promotions out there, is probably all the way at the bottom of the food chain. Seriously, think about it. I don't blame management for, you know, really being worried and concerned. But a fan being extremely vulgar to the point where he should have got punched in the goddamn mouth. And yes, what I said Monday, I stick by it completely. I don't talk on both sides of my mouth. I don't fucking try to be, you know, draw the, walk the fine line and, you know, take one side, but not really take another side and try to get, no, fuck that shit. There's audio of what this prick said. And all you got to do is listen to the God, you know me, 
everyone that's a regular listener for years and years and years, I'm not one who gets easily offended. Seriously, I talk a lot of shit as well. But my God, what this guy said at this event, trying to make this sound like this big internal investigation. Oh, we'll get into that a little bit. They don't deserve this much airtime. What's up, everyone? Don Tony here. Welcome to this edition of Breakfast with Blossie. It is Thursday, June 6, 2019. I know I normally do these on Wednesdays, but I have good reason. Never a good reason for some out there, I might add. But um, I might sound a little bit clearer in my voice. No, I didn't change any equipment. I might sound like I have an extra spring to my step. No, I didn't take any drugs, didn't have crazy amounts of caffeine, but I'm 24 hours removed from the dentist. And you're probably saying, well, why do I sound different because of the dentist? Well, some of you already know this. If you don't, I'll tell the short story of it. When I was 10 years old, I lived in Middle Village with my parents and one day, if I remember correctly, it was a Friday afternoon. Go figure. Because when I tell you this story, I guarantee you a lot of people out there are going to be like, you know, yeah, that fucking sucks. You know, how many of you out there have had an injury, an illness, an accident, especially with one of your pets getting sick? Doesn't it always seem like it happens on a Friday night or a Saturday morning where you have to wait until Monday to get things treated, whether it's yourself or a pet? You never, if you think about it, you never really have too many times where your pet gets sick on a Tuesday or a Wednesday where you could just go to the vet the next day. It always seems to happen on a weekend. So Friday afternoon, I'm 10 years old. I'm in my parents' basement. I know, I know, in your basement, blah, 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 blah. I get it. And my father at the time had a pool table, pinball machine, dartboard, some other games, Atari, and I'm playing pool by myself. Not pocket pool, but pool. And my friend Joey's there, my friend Joey's playing darts, and I wasn't paying attention to him because I'm playing pool. So I'm 10 years old, my friend Joey is nine, and he says to me, hey, it. And I turn around, I look, and he pretends to throw a dart at me. So I duck, and when I duck, boom! I bang my mouth on the edge of the pool table. My front tooth cracks in half. And because it's a fucking Friday afternoon, I can't go to the dentist till Monday. My nerve is halfway sticking out. And you know when you're curious, you do stupid shit. And it's like a bad cartoon. I'm 10 years old and out of curiosity, I take my tongue and I rub it against the side of my tooth where the nerve is exposed. And I'm like, ow! And then 10 seconds later, I'm curious again. Ow! Then 10 seconds later, I'm curious again. Ow! I kept doing it like a dumb Pollock. So anyway, I go to the dentist. He fucking takes the tooth out, and I'm toothless. My Chris Benoit, I'm toothless for about a month, month and a half. He goes and gets a cap made up for me. And back then, what the option was, for the most part, was they take a screw, They fucking lodge it into your bone, I guess, in your nasal cavity, whatever that fucking shit is. And once the screw is embedded in the bone, they take a cap and they glue it. They take a fake tooth and they, with a hole in it, and they glue it to the screw. Fine. That's 10 years old. When I'm in my early 20s, something happened and I had to go back to the dentist and he needed to change the cap. So, you know, he gets another one made up. I wait a little while, I get the cap replaced. Now, the screw is still the same screw since I'm 10. So now, fast forward to about three or four months ago. 
My tooth feels slightly loose. Not loose, it's going to fall out, but it feels a little loose. You know, it seems like I'm getting extra food particles in, in my tooth and shit like that. And it's getting annoying. So I go to my dentist now. Now, technology's changed since I'm 10. And um, he says to me, he goes, look, I think you need to get this tooth out. He says, you know, all this time going by, you know, there's some issues. We got to clean it out and blah, 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 blah. And he sees a black fucking spot in my gum. So he's like, what do you want to do? I said, what are my op- options? He says, we could get another tooth made up. We'll take the uh, tooth. We have to remove the screw, put another screw in and put the tooth in. All right, fine. What's my other option? Another option is to get a three-tooth bridge. And what that is, is that they take, they make three porcelain teeth. I guess you see them on the commercials, that perfect smile shit. They, get, they make three teeth. And what they do is the left tooth and the right tooth is like an overlay over your existing teeth. And by doing that, that gives strength for the tooth in the middle that I don't have. Because remember, I got no tooth there. So I'm looking at photos and I'm like, you know, the three-tooth bridge looks nice. And I know some of you out there right now are like, oh, come on, we're six minutes in, we're still talking about this. Well, I, I'll get to the point. So I'm looking at photos and I like the three-tooth bridge idea because the three teeth look all, you know, symmetrical. They look nice. You know, they look like triplets. If I get the one fucking cap, if the shade is off slightly, it sucks. If it doesn't look exactly like the tooth next to it, it sucks. You know, you're identical twins. You want to be identical twins. You don't want one as a fucking ugly mole on the face. And and no, this is not a shot to the bells. I don't remember them having moles, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, I decide to go with the three-tooth bridge. So... He fits me for a temporary bridge. I still have this other tooth in my mouth for about a month. He gets the temporary bridge. He's like, all right, now it's time we got to take the screw out. Now, the screw isn't screwed in like a screwdriver. You don't get a drill bit and fucking unscrew the screw. You have to yank it out of the fucking bone. Because over the years, after that screw, your bone heals, and it fucking builds around the bone, around the screw. So he takes a fucking pair of pliers gets the old tooth out, and then he's yanking frontward, backward, frontward, backward, trying to get this screw out. And I don't feel nothing because my mouth is numb. But then, all, but just because your mouth's numb doesn't mean you can't hear anything. So all of a sudden, I start hearing like this weird sound, and I hear... <laughs> it's the fucking bone like separating from the screw. And I'm like saying to myself, this is not supposed to sound this way. So finally he takes the screw out. There's blood I see dripping down my fucking chin. And he's got to stitch it up and this, this and that. I'm an idiot because I should have kept the screw because it was so God awful disgusting. I think it would have been interesting to see something that was in my body for fucking, you know, all those years. So he gets the screw out and he's like, look, your mouth's got to heal for about three months. Even though the stitches, you know, everything, all that will be fine. But, you know, you, your, your front teeth could shift a little bit. You know, you got to completely heal the gum. So I had to wait three, three and a half months just to get fitted for the permanent bridge. So about two weeks ago, everything looks good. He fits me for the bridge. And yesterday I got my bridge put in. Now, before that, I had this temporary fucking bridge. And the temporary bridge, the material that they use is very soft. And and they're afraid that you could crack your tooth in the meantime. So what they do is by adding more material, it makes it stronger. 
So instead of me having, I mean, if you looked at my front teeth at the time, if you were at fucking Lucky 13 that time in Brooklyn with me, Mish, Joey Numbers, and Draper, you know, my teeth looked fine. And they did look fine. But the back of my tooth was this with the fucking thickness of somebody's dick. It was so thick because the thicker it was, the less of a chance it would crack. So I felt like I had this giant piece of wood in my mouth for the last, I don't know, couple of months, three, three and a half months, four months. And every time I would start talking, I couldn't really raise my voice as much as I wanted to, or I wouldn't sound clear, or my mouth would just be, it just didn't sound right, didn't feel right. So yesterday I got my fucking permanent one put in. It feels awesome. It looks awesome. And now I could talk so much clearer. My mouth feels nicer. It feels refreshed. And that is a negative thing for a lot of people out there. Trust me. So I'm kind of like happy right now with the way things are going. Now, um, I'm just going to get right into it. You know, right now it's Thursday, June 6th. In less than 18 hours, WWE Super Showdown is going on in Saudi Arabia. So the next story I'm going to get into is going to be an old story in a matter of hours. In fact, as I'm doing the show, we may get a conclusion to this. Now, big news coming out of uh, WWE going to Saudi Arabia. Well, there's two things. One is cool because anybody that listens to Breakfast Soup on Patreon, you know, you got a little kick out of something today. But that's not the, the, the story. Um, Alexa Bliss and Natty are currently in Saudi Arabia. And there is a photo that just surfaced online about an hour ago. In fact, I was joking on Jason Solomonster's Facebook because you know every single person who has to make their own separate post because they got to look, they got to stand out. They need that extra attention. They can't just comment on something and be comment number 53 in a thread. Everybody's got to post their own individual thread because they got to stand out and just look ridiculous. So I joked, I posted the photo and I said, okay, let's see the over and under of how many people that make their own separate thread. This one talking about Alexa Bliss having no makeup. This one talking about Nat dressed up in the fucking, uh, the traditional garb that they wear um, in Saudi Arabia. This one just just bashing Saudi Arabia in general. This person with fake fucking compliments to Alexa. She's beautiful without makeup. Other people trying to be renegades and saying, oh my God, she looks terrible without makeup. I mean, just people just writing stuff to try to stand out. So I see the photo I posted on there. Me personally, for anybody's going to say, hey, Donnie, what do you think about it? I think Alexa Bliss looks fine without makeup. And, you know, this is funny. This is funny. This goes back to what I said about Lars Monday night on the DTKC show. You know, Lars caught his first promo Monday night. I thought he did a, oh, excuse me, Tuesday night, SmackDown. I know, I forgot. DTKC show extra from Patreon. So a lot of you out there right now saying, wait, I don't remember you talking about Lars. Lars cut his first promo on SmackDown. And he killed it, in my opinion. He fucking aced it. He Now, it's not the first time I've heard Lars. And I talked about this on Tuesday's show. You know, Lars has cut promos in NXT. Lars is very educated, even though you may think he's an asshole because of the previous comments he's written online. I'm not going to argue or debate or agree or disagree. I've already expressed my views on it. You know, just uh, if it, to me... 
you know, I think he himself would admit that he was just an asshole troll back then. I don't know what's in his soul right now. All I know, and I said this on Tuesday as well, you know, Titus O'Neil is not someone that is going to write something unless he truly is very passionate about it. Titus O'Neil, even though, you know, we joked about him posting his pee-pee several years back on Twitter, you know, that man is one of the greatest role models in the WWE right now. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if years from now, people say that work for WWE, that Titus O'Neil was looked at as one of the, not maybe locker room leaders, very well respected, very educated, really good father, just a, everything, just a role model for WWE. You don't have to be a major heavyweight champion to be a fucking big time role model for a company. So anyway, the point is, is that Titus went out of his way to write on Facebook, Facebook or Twitter a couple of weeks ago that he really appreciated Lars, you know, stepped up and, you know, went to them and wants guidance and, you know, and talked to the black wrestlers there and was, you know, just very remorseful. And he really felt it was genuine. And the response I saw was embarrassing to the level of pathetic in a lot of ways. Now, for the trolls on YouTube, they say, oh, DT with the false outrage or the fake outrage. No, motherfuckers, I'm telling you exactly where to look. And for anyone out there saying, what does this have to do with Alexa Bliss without makeup? I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, Lars, all right, you have Titus O'Neil, one of the most respected men in WWE, if not just in general, in real life, that is showing, you know, that there this is going in the right direction and is a positive and, you know, things are being done and addressed and blah, 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 blah. And basically, Tyson O'Neill's trying to tell the world, look, you know, kudos to Lars for doing this and doing that and, you know, reaching out to us and blah, blah, blah. And so the people accepting that or giving the guy a chance or just taking what Titus said because he does have cred. No, people out there, no, no, nothing positive. No, 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 it can't be positive. No, crucify the motherfucker. We got to bash him. No, no, fuck you. You ain't in the locker room. You don't know anybody there personally. You don't fucking know what's in the man's heart. You don't know who he's uh, friends with there. You don't know how he reached out. You don't know nothing. You, I don't know as much as you do. But motherfucker, you got someone out there that's trying to show that we're in the right direction of, what do you want, everybody? It's it's sad to see so many people out there who fucking hate someone or for their actions or what they say, and that whenever somebody tries to improve, see, that's what I always said about fucking, you know, Al Sharpton and others. There are people out there who need racial tension. They need certain things to be negative. Look at doctors. Oh, a lot of people think that we should have had a cure for cancer right now, but people out there think that the reason why we haven't found a cure yet is because there's more money to be made when someone is fighting. And I know it sounds sick and twisted, but the logic a lot of people have and totally understandable is that you need certain things to remain uh, in as an issue because if it's resolved, then your work is done. If everybody got along black and white, you wouldn't need, you know, some of the people who are just out, out there and just, you know, confronting you know, tensions or making a profit off of stuff. So they need Lars to be to remain a racist They need, in their eyes. They need this to be negative. So, you know, that's what I saw. But getting back to Lars, and what does that have to do with Alexa Bliss? Lars cut promos in NXT. Lars didn't do anything Monday, that he, uh, Tuesday, that he didn't do. 
in the past. The difference was was that this is after you know the, all the bullshit that went on online for the last bunch of months. All right, yes, what he said years back is disgusting. All right, I think he himself would probably tell people that he knows personally. Yeah, I was an absolute asshole. I should have been punched in the mouth back then, but that's not who I am now, and that's what people are, are pretty much saying behind the scenes. Now, only time will tell if that's true or not, but the point is, is that, you know, here's a guy that is now under all this pressure, and, you know, he's not getting well-received by a lot of fans. He's getting ripped apart online, so now he's got his first attempt to speak in front of millions and millions of people after all this stuff went on, not a sputter, not a stutter, not a fucking uh, hesitation, didn't mumble over his words, didn't let the what chance get to him, fucking aced it, aced it. Now, a lot of people, it, this is cool. And a lot of people are saying like, hey, you know, Lars sounds like somebody. Some people said Edge, some people said Austin. No, Lars sounds like to me with his voice. All right, he sounds to me, and I've said this once or twice before, if you go back and look at the big show when he first came into WCW in 1995 and you listen to some of the way the big show talked at the time as the giant, I don't know, his pitch sounds similar, just in my opinion. Remember, what was that thing that we uh, all had the controversy with last year? Um, you know, somebody, some people heard this, and, uh, it was Yanni and something, you know, Yanni or blah, blah, blah. Some people are Yanni, some people search. Anyway, so getting back to the Alexa Bliss thing, you know, for everybody out there who claims that they're huge Alexa Bliss fans or big time Alexa Bliss fan who's followed her whole career. If they're in an uproar right now about that picture without makeup, that's how you could spot fake. Just like with Lars on Tuesday, the people out there, and it was funny because Tuesday night, you know, we did DTKC show extra literally 15 minutes after SmackDown ended. And right after Lars cut his promo, I went online to see what the reaction was. And I saw some podcasters and a few websites, you know, talking about his voice and this is that. And the first reaction is, motherfuckers, you say you've been following NXT for years and years and years. Why is Lars's voice in his promos so shocking to you? Surprising. If you followed NXT for the last bunch of years, you already heard Lars. What was the surprise? That's how you could spot fake, everybody. The people out there who claim that they follow Alexa Bliss and NXT and they follow creators and that, there have been plenty of pictures online of her without makeup in the past. But sure enough, this photo services from Saudi Arabia, and you got to see some of the stuff that's being written online. Oh my God, that's Alexa without late makeup. I would never spot her in this. Blah, 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 blah. And these are people who have been following her in NXT. These are people who apparently watch the fucking specials and the stuff online. These are people, that's how you spot fake people. That's even when people are called up to the main roster, the, the Viking Raiders, the Viking Warriors, the Viking Experience. You know, I always try to direct my comments towards other podcasters and websites. Why? Because I don't want to disrespect you, the listeners out there. Not because you listen to our shows or my shows. It's because as a regular wrestling fan, you know, you, you're not required to watch every little bit of content. If, if something sucks overall, you know, you may not watch the product for a little bit. So I don't expect a lot of regular listeners out there to know every little aspect or every little thing. 
But when you have websites and podcasts who claim they watch this and they follow this and this is and that, and then they, you know, like, oh, you know, the Viking Rangers, you know, they debuted today and, you know, they actually got a pretty good look. And, it's, and I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, you claim you fucking watched them with the NXT titles not too long ago. Fucking what's different? Seriously. That's how you spot fake everybody. So anyway, I know I went on a little tangent about Lars and Alexa. And the reason why I decided to focus on that is because, again, in less than 18 hours, Super Showdown is done. So majority of you out there that hears the show, it's already done. So the situation with Alexa Bliss and Natty is already going to be resolved in however way it is resolved. If there was even a problem in the first place, I don't know. So I'm not going to, you know, talk about this as a big deal because, you know, by the time you hear this, it'll be, you know, an issue almost closed. But let me tell everybody the story leading up to this because there is a lot of confusion online right now. Now, if I said to you right now, hey, you know, at the next WWE pay-per-view in two weeks, you know, it it may be uh, Medusa versus The Undertaker. Now, you may say to me, fuck you smoking. Shit ain't happening, right? No, I'd say you, no, 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 no. We, We might have Medusa versus Undertaker. Now, let's say I throw that shit out there for a day or two. And then a day or two, I write a news report that says, you know, everyone, um, Undertaker versus Medusa may not actually take place. It wasn't discussed in the creative meetings. How's that news? This is why you research before you write anything. There are reports out there saying that Alexa Bliss versus Natty is happening at Super Showdown. Half a day later, no, the match may not go down. It wasn't discussed in creative why even write that the match is going? Now, look, this match may happen. It may not. The story that I got is that they were sent to Saudi Arabia to see, and just in case WWE could possibly have them to wrestle at Super Showdown or Dark Match or whatever it is. You know, look, the idea that WWE wanted to make progress in Saudi Arabia wasn't a lie. And as I have explained in the past, and, you know, courtesy, thank you to Stell and, and Hassan al-Hashmi and others who actually live, Hassan lives in that area. We have patrons that live in Saudi Arabia that educated me and explained to me about, you know, entertainers who have performed in, in Abu Dhabi and, and other areas. You know, it's not like they flat out cannot perform, blah, 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 blah. And trust me, if you see some of the crazy shit that happens, you know, in the Middle East. You know, WWE is not going to fucking try to gamble. And, oh, they're here already. Let's just throw them out there. Blah, blah, blah. No, fucking people get thrown in jail, if not worse, over that. You don't assume. But, you know, the overall report that everybody seems to, you know, been safe with, the smarter, more more uh, responsible reporters out there is that, you know, they WWE would love to have Alexa Bliss versus Natty perform in Saudi Arabia because that could possibly lead to other women wrestling there in the future. And that is a positive thing. All right. I know a lot of people that are very aware of Saudi Arabia know that just because if this match takes place doesn't mean that human rights violations are not going to happen 12 hours from now or after the pay-per-view with it just, it's not going to change the world, but it's a step in the right direction 
And look, for everybody that's a little bit shocked at the way Natty's dressed or Alexa without makeup, or if they do happen to wrestle, their attire is very, very concealed. You know, it, that's just the, the way of life in Saudi Arabia. You know, it's just the way it is. Now, I don't know if the match is going to go on. Before we find out, you know, we may learn later that the match was never going to be on and blah, 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 blah. And then you say to yourself, okay, why are they in Saudi Arabia in the first place? But I will say this. If this match does happen, it ain't going longer than two or three minutes. I mean, we've talked about Alexa Bliss in detail. We're fans of Alexa Bliss. All right. She definitely has improved significantly over the last couple of years, but she's nowhere near 100%. You watch her matches closely. She'll be in three ways. She'll be in tag matches. She'll stand outside with fucking coffee and this, this, and that. That's a lot of smoke and mirrors to basically try to keep her, you know, relevant on TV or to try to make it look like she's still active when she is still a long ways away. So if she has a match with Natty in Saudi Arabia, all right, you ain't going to fucking get, you know, Alexa Bliss WrestleMania match quality for her level no you're going to get probably two or three minutes of gaga and natty is going to be the one that's the ring general you know basically running the match she'll make alexa look 10 times better than how she is currently uh you know active you know if you notice closely you know alexa bliss really doesn't take much as far as bumps here and there and that's just for safety i have nothing against that I want to see her better. I want to see her well. I don't want to hear what, ha- you know, like another retirement abruptly like what happened with Sasha. There's got to be some cause for concern for Alexa Bliss fans out there. And yes, you want to see her back in the ring. And you know what? It would be fucking awesome if these two were able to perform in Saudi Arabia. It is a step in, in the right direction. All right. But it can't be forced. And, and we'll see where it goes from here. Anyway, John Moxley, the former Dean Ambrose. Congrats to him. For those that aren't aware, yesterday he defeated Juice Robinson at the Super Juniors Finals, best of the Super Juniors Finals, to win the IWGP United States title. The two big stories coming out of that is, number one, all the marks all over Juice Robinson's body from that match. Oh, three, three, the table. You know, I am the table. And the third is John Moxley's outfit. A lot of people criticizing it. In the funk, it's just blank trunks. So what? So what? John Moxley's in great shape. I mean, what do you? What would you rather have? Fucking, you know, awesome, cool attire, blah, 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 blah. Or do you want a fucking great match? You want him fucking performing in his element? I was very surprised at some people criticizing his attire. That's the least that I would, you know, think about right now. All right. Yeah, it's a little more extreme when we talked about the Viking experience. But what did I say that night when they debuted as the Viking experience? I said, I'd rather them have a goofy name, but fucking get over on TV and have phenomenal matches than have a cooler name and then fucking do squat. I know a lot of you remember that comment. What have they done since? Oh, they got a really better name. Not the greatest, but a better name. What are they doing? What are they doing? Huh? What are they doing? So anyway... You know, great to see Moxley win the title. Um, I believe that's his first ever match in New Japan. And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion as far as what he said on Jericho's podcast. And, you know, the one thing that people still think about to this day is the way that WWE treated his exit. And a lot of you have said this previously. 
you really can't find ever a time in WWE where they had like a real going away party for someone like they did for Ambrose Moxley. You know, the, we people have had their swan songs in the past. People have had retirement matches and not retire. But as far as someone who is actually leaving at arguably the peak of their career and to have tributes in the last ever match and the WWE Network special and this, this, and that, and after the, the, the raw camera and speeches and Rollins calling him out and all these house shows and blah, 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 blah. I think Ambrose himself, Moxley himself, thought it was a little odd. I've come to a conclusion. I don't know if you all out there agree with me. And for anybody that's going to say, oh, well, common sense, Don Tony. Oh, you show let Show me 10 fucking sites. Show me five. Show me five websites, five blogs where people have said this. And I'm not saying I'm the first person. I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who are intelligent enough that probably said the same thing. But for the most part, I don't read much of anybody from podcasts or websites saying this one little factor. But in hindsight and Monday Monday morning quarterbacking this, my you know thinking is the reason why WWE gave so much attention to Moxley's exit that did these tribute things and did things at house shows and the network special, I honestly think, I honestly think, that the reason why they went over and beyond like nobody from yesteryear is not because Moxley is going to sell out 10, 20,000 seat arenas, even though he his matches are going to go balls out now. And you're going to, for people I'd never saw him wrestle prior to WWE, you're, going to, you're in for a treat. If you're a Moxley fan now and only know him of what you saw in WWE, you're going to be in for a treat without a doubt. And you could tell he's having fun. You remember right before he left WWE, I said that for some reason he looks like he's at peace right at the very end. I know it was just a perception. I don't know the man. But my thinking now is the reason why WWE went over and beyond like nobody before is I think that they feared that Moxley was going to um, purge WWE. And I don't mean purge like he'll never go back. Never say never. And I do believe that one day Moxley will be back in WWE. I really do. Unless something terribly goes wrong, whether it's with Renee or just, I just see that possibility happen in the future. Okay. But, you know, I think WWE truly feared that this guy could, in fact, go on Jericho's podcast and vent and really, because you got to understand something. We weren't there all the times that he vented about his frustrating frustrations with writing. We weren't there with his meeting with Vince or others. We weren't there with others who he confided in, who he was really, really upset about some of the storylines and this and that. So the, here's a guy who will speak his mind and I know a lot of you saying CM Punk in this snap, but you got to understand that CM Punk, you know, number one, he was older. Number two, you know, there was so much bitterness. Number three, you know, there was just a lot of problems with CM Punk. And Moxley, to the very end, did his job, you know, stood there, fulfilled his dates, came out, you know, lost when he lost. Sure, we know now that there's things he didn't want to say or do. The point is, is that when you think of the Shield and everything that WWE's invested over the last bunch of years, 
you know, they really were hoping that by giving this much of a positive goodbye to Moxley, that he would spare them some of the criticism outside with his voice. Sure, he could go to AEW. Sure, he could wrestle for New Japan. Sure, he could wrestle some indies. But I think they really didn't want that bubble exposed like it was. Because a lot lot of times CM Punk was critical. It was more of health issues and, you know, the way, you know, he was, uh, his his pushes were. But CM Punk, you know, I think was pushed probably better than anybody for WWE standards in the last 10 years. So I think WWE was afraid of Moxley really doing what he was doing because that'll spark other people to open their eyes. And plus, you got to understand this too, and this is probably the most important thing as well. You know, you look at the revenue and you look at the issues with WWE when CM Punk walked out, you know, and then you look at what's going on right now. They got, they're on the verge of a big time TV deal. They're on, they're in the middle of this gigantic Saudi Arabia deal. All right. I'm not saying that Moxley's going to fuck any of that up. The point is, is that, you know, as I've said many times in the past, you take away the Saudi Arabia deal, you take away this TV deal and you look at the WWE numbers, it is not spectacular. It is not great at all. About six weeks ago, I had made a prediction that the WWE stock, which was about $98 at the time, that was going to take a nice little dip. Not because I'm a fucking wizard or I'm a business expert or anything like that, but you could see the declining ratings. You could see the house shows. You could see the number of cancellations. You could see a lot of things going down. I mean, people telling me, oh, Becky Lynch, number one merchandise seller. What the fuck does that mean in the overall scope? Somebody has to be the top merchandise seller. Look at Rusev. Rusev had the biggest fucking shirt. Rusev Day. You know, it doesn't always equate, you know, to, and, and I've used this many times. I'm sorry if it gives people a headache, but like I said before, when WWE, you know, 20 years ago does a little convention and 20,000 people show up, all right, it's a great money grab, all right? Now we go five years ago and you have 7,000 people show up. All right, well, you know what? They have revenue now at the WWE Network and digital, a lot of things that they really didn't have, you know, 20 some odd years ago. So they could make money in a lot of other areas, all right? So they have 7,000 people. So now let's say five years ago, 7,000 people, Daniel Bryan, biggest draw at one of these conventions, all right, so now we go five years later and you have 7,000 still or 6,000. And Becky Lynch, who maybe drew 500 at our table five years ago, now draws five of the 7,000. It's fucking impressive. Absolutely. I said Becky Lynch, she's not my favorite woman wrestler in WWE. Right now, it's Charlotte. I think Charlotte is the number one woman. I mean, Ronda Rousey, when she was there, was no dispute that she was. All right, Becky Lynch, I think, was a close number two to Charlotte with Ronda Rousey gone. All right, but, you know, the whole thing is, is that, you know, Becky Lynch, the one thing that was missing was if you had 7,000 fans showing up before and she only had 500 at her table and now she has 5,000 at her table, but still only 7,000 is showing up. All you're doing is you're redirecting 
already the existing crowd and the existing revenue. You don't see newer people signing up. You don't see newer people returning to wrestling. I mean, Kofi wins the title, of course. It's awesome. You know, it's it's a historic moment. And all the raw emotions by a lot of fans and other wrestlers there who are black and even wrestlers who aren't even in that company, all those emotions are real. And Kofi, look, let's let's be honest. It, has it affected the ratings? Has it drawn extra people? No, it, it, there's no proof of that at all. I'm not saying that Kofi is a problem. There's arguably no one else on the roster right now that would draw any better than Kofi. The point is, is that WWE has a lot of small little negatives going on that people are taking notice to. Once Saudi Arabia's deal is done, you know, a 10-year deal goes by fast. We're already approaching, you know, year three very soon. 30% of that deal. You have the TV deal. That's not fucking a 20-year contract. If those deals don't get renewed, you know, where are you going to get? Just think of the amount of money involved. It's an insane amount of money. So the last thing you want to do with declining ratings, with declining house shows, with declining revenue, with shows being canceled, is one of your bigger stars or in the biggest faction that WWE's had in a very, very long time, going all over the net, doing all these interviews, and, you know, not, you know, ripping WWE, I'll never go back, and it sucks, but exposing something that is not positive with WWE. It's not a positive, you know? So I think WWE went out of their way, hoping that Ambrose would keep some of it bottled in, and hopefully, maybe just during his matches, it'll he can have his release. I, I think they were hoping that they were not going to get this much verbiage from Moxley. That's just an opinion. I don't know if you agree with it, and you know we'll we'll see where it goes from here. You know, if anybody out there is a fan of Japanese wrestling, I do need to remind you that New J- New Japan's Dominion event it's happening Saturday morning in Osaka, Japan. In fact, from what I got a little while ago, I think John Moxley is now wrestling on that card and defending the IWGP US Championship versus Hota Umino. Now, other matches on that card, which is stacked, Satoshi Kojima uh, versus Shingo Tagaji, Jusen Nalaga and Yoshihashi versus Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr., Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson and Ryuzuki Taguchi versus Jay White, Taishi Ijimori and Chase Owens. Taichi versus Tomohiro Ishii for the Never Open Weight Championship. Tama Tonga and Tango Loa versus Evil and Sonata for the IWGP Tag Titles. Dragon Lee versus Will Ospreay for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Cody Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito for the Intercontinental Championship. And the main event for the IWGP Heavyweight Title, Okada takes on Chris Jericho. So again, this is a pretty stacked card. And if you're a fan of Japanese wrestling, hey, you want to see Dean Ambrose and Jericho for the, you know, American fans out there that maybe don't watch that much Japanese wrestling, you know, I would get that card. I really would. In fact, I know I'm definitely seeing, I don't know if I'm going to see it Saturday and got a lot of personal things going on, but next couple of days, I'm definitely going to watch it. So anyway, uh, just plug other events very quickly for those that are interested uh, this Saturday. Um, Impact is actually going to be uh, teaming up with Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore in Philadelphia at the former ECW Arena. They're doing an event. They're calling it A Night You Can't Mist. M-I-S-T. Great Muda is going to be uh, 
uh, teaming up with Tommy Dreamer. They're going up against Michael Elgin and Johnny Impact. So might want to check that out. I think that's a, an entertaining match. And Muda is still a draw. You know, not like he used to be, but it's not a bad card. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I want to shout out our new and returning patrons. And, you know, it's funny. I usually keep a, a list of names in front of me. But what happened was I accidentally deleted the list while I was at work today. So I actually had to pull it from my phone. But um, special shout outs to Cody Tharp, Peter Clark, uh, Tim Faust, Louis McCheese, Bubba Collins, Trump's secret gay lover, Zach Spunamori returning. We got a new associate producer, Vic Condor. Welcome aboard, my friend. Christopher DeMars, Raymond Pagella, Robert, Robert Robinette. New Bomb, Turk, and Chris Kazemi. Kazemi. So, shout out to all of you. Thank you for signing up. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Uh, you know, we used to plug as little as $5 you could sign up there. Now you could sign up for as little as 2 And believe me, it helps with all the expenses. It uh, really goes a long way. So, sign up and look, we're not, when I plug it every week, we don't do it to beg or anything like that. I mean, I honestly believe we give you more in return than arguably any other wrestling patron out there, with the exception of maybe Wrestling Soup. I mean, we really do try to give you some unique content there. In fact, here's a little thing I got a kick out of. You know, last week, Mish and I on Breakfast Soup, we were talking about the 24-7 title. We were really trying to turn chicken shit into chicken salad because let's be honest, the night the title debuted, my first reaction was, you heard it. I didn't want it to become the Benny Hill title. I didn't want it to become the avoidance title. There's nothing wrong with having a little bit of Benny Hill and a little bit of avoidance. They did it back in the day as well. But you need a nice balance. And it just felt like it was going to turn into a Roadrunner versus Wildy Coyote uh, title. And it's pretty much what we've gotten since. I mean, some of the moments are entertaining. R-Truth is doing his best, and he is entertaining, without a doubt. All right, but Mish and I on Breakfast Soup last week, we were trying to come up with some unique scenarios that would be pretty funny. Now, there's no secret. I've said before, my favorite WWE hardcore title um, match that ever took place, as far as comedy goes, is when Crash Holly was sleeping in the back, he had APA guarding him so no, so he can get some sleep. And the APA decided to leave. And here comes Jerry Briscoe with a referee. And they didn't want to wake Crash up. So they're whispering. You have the WWF announcers whispering. And Gerald Briscoe takes his finger and just puts it on Crash's chest. The referee, one, two, three. And I think it was Michael Cole, I think it was. Gerald Briscoe's just won the hardcore title. I fucking laughed my ass off. And then they try to like race out of there and the referee accidentally hits the table. And you got Chris Holly. He's like, where's my belt? Where's my belt? It's my favorite one of all time. And I was, we were joking last week. I said, you know what? We, they should do something where they're on the plane and a wrestler's sleeping. And you have someone pin the wrestler while he's sleeping. And I, we even went one step further that, hey, you know, R-Truth talked about being in a dentist office. Have a wrestler pay you off the fucking dentist, and the dentist gives the wrestler some funny gas, a little bit of anesthesia, you know, for the pain, and R-Truth is all woozy, he doesn't know where he is, and he fucking gets pinned for the 24-7 title. 
He tries to get out of the chair to chase the guy, but because he's under funny gas, he fucking runs into walls and he's tripping and he can't fucking talk. Come on, it would have been fucking priceless. We even said, have our truth or Jinder Mabols or someone else. Go to a masseuse. It's like a bad Wildy Coyote Roadrunner segment. Fucking free massages. Hey, this looks cool. You go in there. You could have a fucking wrestler dressed up in, in a in a costume, pretending he's he or she is a masseuse. And you have our truth to someone else getting a massage and they're laying on their stomach and they're getting a nice back massage. And you have the fucking masseuse go, could you turn over so I can rub your chest? And then the fucking guy turns over and he's getting a nice chest massage or shoulder massage. But meanwhile, there's one finger on his fucking chest and there's a referee in the background go from underneath the massage table going, one, two, three. There are so many things as, as ridiculously stupid as that sounds. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, to our young fans out there that did not experience WWE, you know, back in the 90s with the hardcore title and stuff like that, trust me, the little things like that will be remembered 10, 20 years from now. It won't be an unbelievable highlight, but, you know, little things from back in the day, Al Snow's bowling ball and some others, you remembered certain things. So what happens today, WWE... They put footage up. They're on their way to Saudi Arabia. They got the private plane. And what happens? Jinder Mahal, who had won the title earlier at the fucking airport, like right next to the plane when they're boarding, he's asleep on the plane. R-Truth pins him, wins the belt. But again, because, you know, they it's just like with the Usos, with the shower segment, with the revival. Remember that dopey shit? I mean, come on. I understand it's goofy entertainment, but, you know, you, 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 we're not fucking brain dead. I mean, the Usos in that skit are laughing and laughing because they're spying on the revival and they're going to fucking... De- and, you know, we're not fucking deaf, Us. We're not fucking deaf, WWE. He can go on the camera and go, oh, look, we're in the locker room. We're, we're in the shower. Look at the revival. Look, look he's shaving his back. <laughs> no. What do you see on TV? The fucking Usos are about 15 feet away from the revival, and they're supposed to act like the revival don't know they're there. What do you have the Usos saying from the top of his lungs? Look. Look, he's shaving his back. Oh, my God. Look, look, look. Get the fuck out of here. Who the f- what the fuck? Is the WWE demographic, we deaf? I mean, this is that for the hearing impaired? Come on, R Truth wins the fucking belt. You know, you he what's he's whispering, and he's fucking acting quiet when he pins on the fucking plane. He, then he fucking yells, "Ah, you don't think he wakes up? Get the fuck out of here!" You know, some of it could be so much better, but it's like, come on, you don't need every little fucking detail cater. But anyway, that's what happened earlier. You know. Some people are trying to come up with some unique things. I don't know, man. There were some wild ones being thrown out today. Someone even came up. Hey, maybe the Saudi prince will win the title. Don't, I wouldn't find that too far-fetched because remember what we said on Breakfast Soup last week? Don't be surprised if a celebrity or a non-WWE wrestler wins that belt. And I'm not even talking about an employee. Somebody outside of WWE could win that belt for publicity. I know some people even said David Arquette, maybe a celebrity in the crowd, you know, just runs in the ring. It's almost like the Godfather's hoe that time. Was it BB that did that? So we will see what happens with that belt. But uh, 
I don't know, man. I still think the end game should be someone really intimidating winning that belt, and you have a whole bunch of wrestlers that want to come out and fucking chase that person to try to win the title, and then they remember it's either Braun or Lars or someone else. Oh, no, 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 no. You enjoy that belt. But, you know, something that was overlooked last week that, you know, Mission and I joked about on Tuesday's Breakfast Soup Live last week, but, you know, I didn't like... Um, Roman Reigns teaming up with R-Truth. And then after the match was over, Roman Reigns, um, he spears, it was it Elias. And, you know, he's like, here, R-Truth, pin Elias. Here, get your hardcore title back, your 24-7 title back. And although I understand, you know, oh, Roman Reigns, good guy, looking out for R-Truth and all that. But, you know, the impression that, that left with me, that Roman Reigns was like, no, no, no. You have it. You have it. It's like going to a restaurant and there's mystery meat on the table that you know is all like chewy and rubbery and probably smells like someone's sweaty snatch. And, you know, you're like, you, you try to act generous. You're like, you know, you know, Nikki, my brother. No, Nick, Nick, you know what? You enjoy it. You you like that meat? No, you have it. I, I ate or I had a late lunch today. You know, I'm on keto. You, you have it. It's all right. But meanwhile, you're just fucking saying that because you don't want any of that sweaty snatch. That's what the 24-7 title was for Roman Reigns. It was a sweaty pussy, really sweaty, smelly pussy. I mean, he's like, no, 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 our truth. No, no, you, you take the title. It's okay. You, you have it. You have it. I don't know if anybody else out there got that impression. I did. Anyway, uh, shout out to our associate producers and sponsors. Tigsy Bowers, Chris Harris, Keith Doherty, Cockboy, Roger Rubio, Orhan Martin, Ernesto Defensa, Fatty316, Stan the Man Loudon, D-Boy Gentleman, Kane Shaw, Timothy Keel, Simon Hoodie Hood, James Mills, Brandon Davidson, CM Black, Tom Baffa, Tamina's Pocket Toy, John Krauser, Sheffield Mercury, Jacob Eston, Jay Smoothie, Virginia George, Michael John Buchanan, Matthew, Joseph Nicolak, Stell, Rob from Nashville, John Krauser, Tony, Michael Rhino, Bad Boy Nico, Paul Convoy, Daniel Williams, Dan Hayes Valdez, Justin Redstock, John Miller, Mark Redman, John Steck, John Coffey, and Andrew914. And we'll get into more plugs in a little bit. Now, we have some questions to get into. Now, I'm going to warn everyone that not all of them are wrestling related. No Trump. If everybody hates Trump, I promise you no Trump, but most of it's wrestling related. But, you know, as I always say, there's a lot more going on in life than just fucking wrestling beginning and the end. I know majority of the show is wrestling, but sometimes we got to talk about outside stuff as well. Uh, before anything, I want to give a shout out to my friend Mike and Your Best Bargains LLC. You always hear me plugging him on Patreon. And on the shows over here, you know, he's got a really cool Amazon and eBay store. You could search under the same name. Uh, I buy a lot of things from there. It's everyday items. You got some collectibles here and there. But if anybody is a longtime listener, he's actually the cousin of Kenny Gephardt. And Mike, I know you're probably getting fed up with me always calling you the cousin. But, you know, we met up at Lucky 13 earlier this year. And I tell you, you know, I was having a little bit of a flashback because when I used to hang out with his cousins when we were kids, one time I was in their basement and we used to always throw wrestling moves on each other. And one time, uh, I think it was, it was either Kenny or Joe, they fucking gave me the mass superstar swinging neck breaker and the fucking, my head hit the edge of the basement steps, knocked me right out, knocked me out cold. I mean, I got up a few seconds later, but man, that fucking shit hurt. 
Anyway, uh, Andrew914, yo, this is going to blow you away, and it might blow some people away as well. He said he used to listen to um, K4D back in the day, and I guess that's what, Kayfabe for Dummies? Could that be it? And I was a special guest on their October 1st, 2007 show. And in that show, I was talking about Vince Russo. I defended the Ultimate Warrior, and I talked a lot about the problems in TNA. I was also on the one-year anniversary show in August of 2008, same show, talking about CM Punk's first title run. Do I remember any of this? And he recommends people to download it and listen to it. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Something weird is going on. I don't remember either appearance. Maybe if I listen to a clip back, but I honestly don't remember. And, you know, somebody actually asked me the other day as well. I think it was CM Black Pixels or DJ White Sox, it might have been. You know, and I want to throw this out there because remember, not every podcast out there is goofy. I only address the goofy ones. But someone asked me, they're like, hey, you know, would you appear on other people's shows? You know, talk a little wrestling or whatever. And the answer is absolutely yes, as long as it's not a hit job. I don't mind, you know, being confronted. I don't mind having nice debates. I fucking welcome debates. I love debates. I never used to like debating. Now I fucking drool when I when I have the opportunity to debate. And one of the most frustrating things to, to deal with and to endure is to see a topic and know that you can, you just hear like an awesome debate going. And the problem with debating people, I don't know if anybody out there, out there has ever experienced this well as well, but the one thing that absolutely sucks right now with debates, and this is why I'm frustrated sometimes having debates with people, is, you know, you want to have a debate with someone. Difference of opinions. Yeah, you want to get heated. You want to get intense. The whole idea of debating someone is you want your argument to win over, of course. So what happens too many times? You start debating someone, and because you're going against what they're saying, they take it personal. They get angry. They get an attitude. And it's like, fuck, man, you know, go out. Give it to me, man. Give it to me. And that's the problem with debates these days, just in general. You go on social media, too. But that's the one thing that I don't like that happens more often than not with debates. You know, when I debate someone, my goal is to not only win the argument, but to fucking make that person's argument look ridiculously small. It's nothing personal. That's the challenge. It's fun. It's confrontation, but in, in an entertaining way. And it, you, it's not, you, not very many people you could do that with. But, hey, if other shows out there want to have me on just to chat or talk shit, you know, I mean, as long as it's within my schedule, and no, I don't have this unbelievably busy schedule, but, you know, I don't have a lot of free time as well. But, yeah, I would do it in a second. Um, also, where's the Mr. Wonderful interview that we did around 2002 that was uh, the, with the Blackhearts? Believe it or not, it is still online. Um, I will see if I can email you the link because I do know that if you go to Wayback Machine and you go to 2002 and search my website, you'll see the link there and it is still on my server. The audio quality is, is absolute garbage because keep in mind, back then you only had telephones. It was a telephone interview, 
Both sides. There was no mixers. There was no fucking Heil mics. There was nothing like you got now. It was just telephone. But yeah, I will look and I'll see if I can email it to you. Uh, DJ White Sox, would I ever have a special milestone show or like an anniversary show? No, White Sox, to be honest with you. I mean, we didn't have a year anniversary show. I've been doing this. If you want to count my wrestling hotline, I'm approaching my 23rd year doing this. I started the hotline in 1997. I started taking the hotline and putting it on the net in 2001. Started to do a little bit of um, podcasting with the Minority Report in like 2004 or 05. Don Tony Kevin Castle show, I believe, started in 2006. By 2006, I was already doing it for almost 10 years. So, um, you know, I never had, never did an anniversary. So you see me, I, I don't, other than maybe my girlfriend or my parents, wedding anniversary or something like that, I don't, like, to me, it's just another day. It's a little odd. It's a little odd to see grown adults like making their birthday or anniversary like a fucking national holiday. And what's even sadder, and I'm sure a lot of you out there have seen this, and just general statement, you have people out there that will tweet or will write a Facebook post and they'll write something, and a few people won't remember this because I did this a couple of times on Solomon's this page earlier this year. You had a few people doing it. They'll write a tweet or a Facebook post and it'll have something indirectly to do with their birthday. And the whole idea of putting that post on there is to bring attention to themselves that it's their birthday so they can get birthday wishes. Like someone will say, oh, you know, I got to shout out my, my, uh, my mailman who, you know, remembered my birthday. I thought it was so cool. Well, you know what, motherfuckers? How's about you thank the mailman? We don't need to know that shit. We don't even know the fucking mailman's name. He, my mailman. So why are you writing it on, online? Why? Oh my God, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Blah, 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 blah. Fuck that. I don't, I celebrate my birthday and I celebrate anniversaries, but to me, it's more of a, just another day. And I just treat it like a regular day. I've always been like that, even with my birthdays. You know, like people are shocked that I don't go out, I don't party, I don't do this, I don't do that. Even when I turn 21, you know, like a lot of people, th- you know, when they turn 20, oh, I'm going to get wasted. I was getting drunk when I was 16, you know? So to me, I never did an anniversary show, never did a one-year, a five-year, a 10-year, episode 500, episode 1,000. You know, you see me on Twitter once in a while. I put my uh, ongoing list of all the things. I must have did like, what, 4,000 shows, if you include the hotline? You know, so look, for others out there that celebrate their 10th, their 100th, their 500th, their 1,000th, good for them, you know? And people celebrate their birthdays. They want to celebrate it. It's, it's nice to get birthday wishes. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but there's some people out there that just, it's like a drug that they need the entire fucking world to know it's their birthday. So no, I don't care about anniversary shows or something like that. I just never did. I mean, you you realize how many anniversaries it could have celebrated with the shows between 97 and now? Eh, I don't even know how many episodes exactly. I mean, I have the running count, but you know, I'm, I'm probably even shortchanging myself a little bit. Uh, Paul Burowski, uh, he's going to state the painfully obvious. 
WWE has no stars because they don't allow them to be made. Face or heel, they're so fixated on everyone being equal, with the exception of Lesnar. He had to be kicked in the balls to lose. They could have some monster faces and heels, but then again, aren't we the authority now? Uh, why did it did they take what he's watched for 40 years and turn it into diarrhea? Paul, it's the culture, it's the environment. We talk about it so often. It's it's not going to change anytime soon. You remember, I mean, for newer fans out there, you're lucky if you haven't been watching wrestling all that long. I can't tell you how many times from like 06, 07, 08. All right, yeah, it was a little bit of a shock at that time. Oh, no more Brian Panties matches. Oh, they're going to tone down Cena's promos. And no, they're going to do this. Oh, no more blood. And, you know, all right, fine. As long as the content is good, I don't care. You know, with the exception of blood, we had PG content in the 80s and the 90s, and there was some awesome storylines back then. But then you hit the early 2010s, 10, 11, 12, 13. Oh, attitude. There's a fucking article today. There's an article today. I don't remember what idiot wrote it, and a couple other websites wrote it after. I almost thought that this original website that wrote it, I thought they were trolling people. I thought that they did that, like I have said before, they'll write an article to see if they could get other people to write it as well. And they wrote today that Vince McMahon wants to bring back attitude to boost ratings. Take a step back for a minute. That is one of the dumbest fucking asinine things to say. Because of the at- M- motherfucker, they, they can't even have Bray Wyatt have a fucking chainsaw and a skit. You think that they, are you on drugs? On drugs? You know why they write that? Because they know Vince McMahon is not going to go on social media or is not going to fucking take, do a fucking selfie video and go, you know, don't believe it. It's a lie. Attitude's gone. Done. Buried. You're not going to see that. It's funny. And then when people die, oh, yeah, you know, I was friends with him and they did this and did that. Oh, we were going to have dinner tomorrow. It's asinine. Fucking attitude ain't coming back. It, I, it's not that I want it. It's just the world we live in now. Attitude cannot be done in 2019. Couldn't even be done in 2010. You see, it's a reflection of society. That's what WWE is. A lot of PSAs, a lot of worthy causes. You know, when something gets a little bit over the top, they try to reel it in a little bit and try to change things and twist things. It's just, and it's a publicly traded company and their sponsors. I mean, no, it's got to be family friendly. They ain't, they ain't changing. It's sad, but this is just the way it is. I wouldn't blame it so much on WWE. I blame it on fucking society. Look at Impact Wrestling. Look at TNA. Look at a lot of these other promotions that have been around over the last 10 years. How many times, even in your local cities, states, towns, wherever you live in this world, how many times have you had a promotion come along and they hype, you know, we're going to give you what wrestling's been missing. We're going to go over the top and it's that. And what did you get? Seriously. The minute TNA kept doing a chair shot to the head when WWE banned it because of the concussions and all this other stuff, I'm banning chair shots is fine. I have nothing against it. They fucking hit one chair shot. My God, Christopher Daniels, Billy Ray, but you you can't do chair shots. Can't get away with it in 2019. You have to accept wrestling the way it is. 
Hopefully, it gets really creative. But you look at the annals of wrestling, and I, I really mean this. Lucha Underground was more of a Mexican style, like a Latino style to it. You know, it's a, it almost reminded me of like Wrestling Society X meets Lucha Libre to a certain extent. But it was a niche promotion. It was a niche product that I said many times in the past. I wasn't the only one. A lot of you said it as well. It ain't going to survive many, 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 many years. It was not a product that could fucking get all the masses. And look what it drew. It didn't drew great numbers at all. You put aside Lucha Underground. Tell me what mainstream promotion out there that has really gone against the grain and really given us what we've oomph, that oomph we've been missing. You really can't find it. TNA had the bright stars, the future stars, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle came across, the X Division. There was a lot of great things. But in the end, they had to go to the Hogans, the Bischoffs, the Foley, Sting, Ric Flair, because they realized that with those other stars, you know, they're not, they weren't household names. And unfortunately, they don't have 10, 15 years to build people into, you know, Hall of Fame caliber, draw 10, 20,000 seat arenas. The problem is, is the writing itself as well. Look at WCW in 2000 and 2001. And look at the, just take their roster and look at it on a piece of paper. And then you realize how much money they lost. And you say to yourself, how the fuck could you lose that kind of money with that kind of talent on your roster? And you could have the greatest actors, the greatest performers, the greatest celebrities, the greatest musicians. But if they're going to be on a fucking movie or a show with a god awful script, it ain't going to fucking make crazy revenue unless it is such a train wreck that you can't turn away. And the problem is, is that's what wrestling seems to have been for quite some time. And it's a reflection of society. You know, people are hoping AEW will fill that void. But AEW has to be careful too. You think TNT is going to want crazy amounts of complaints coming in because AEW is doing really over-the-top stuff that we haven't had in wrestling for a very long time? Not on TV. You know, yeah, blood. Yeah, you have some, you know. But if you're very creative, you know, wrestling doesn't, it's not broken. You just need better material. You know, you look, do you want to build a Mercedes or do you want to build a Hugo? And they both run. They both take you where you want to go to a certain extent. And they both have fucking four wheels and an engine and doors and a radio. But the fucking Hugo is built like shit. And the Mercedes will last a long time. And is AEW going to be a Mercedes or is it going to be a Yugo? Is WWE used to be a Mercedes and now it feels like they're a Yugo? You understand what I'm saying? Wrestling's not broken. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to reinvent the, the, the skeleton of wrestling. Just put better material in there. And trust me, you know, a lot of wrestlers, like I said, that are trying to get involved with AEW, they're not doing it to hurt WWE. They're not looking to do it to put WWE out of business. But a lot of them feel like they have a chip on their shoulder that feel like they should have been able to do more, should have had a better opportunity, this and that. And they're going to try to show people that, hey, you know, I'm a star. Hey, I have the ability. Hey, I'm not past, you know, past my expiration date. That's what I think is going on. Adam Freed. 
Do I think, given the creative freedom in AEW, they may have a more fertile ground for developing bigger stars than WWE due to less restriction? No. No. Just think NXT. You know, a lot of people feel that AEW's biggest competition is NXT. Sounds like what I said about, what, five, six years ago with TNA? The TNA's biggest competition is not WWE, it's NXT. Um, so, no, I don't think AEW will have a more fertile breeding ground for, for big-time stars. They just might have a, a, a be better at doing it. It's too early, man. It's too early. I know a lot of people are excited, AEW, and people that are really excited, they get angry when I say this. I don't know why you would get angry at something like this. But, you know, you're excited, great. But, you know, there's an anticipation, obviously. You know, it it feels like, you know, the, the stars are aligning for AEW. But, my God, let the fucking promotion start its TV deal. Let it start running regular weekly shows. Let it fucking develop first. And then you fucking go nuts to everybody. If you want to fucking go nuts in the privacy of your own home or with your own fucking you know, environment, by all means, do it, go crazy, have fun, enjoy it, but don't fucking push it on me, or vice versa, simply because, see, the when I said on Monday that, look, AEW, in my opinion, you know, there's nothing wrong with being excited, but, you know, let it happen organically, you know, there's no need to put this added pressure that it's going to be something that you want it to be, that it may not be, or, or you understand what I'm saying? It's an opinion show. You disagree with me? Fine. But calling me a moron and stupid say, you know what that shows? That you can't fucking have a discussion with someone. It's either your way or the highway. And no, that's just not the way it goes. So look, you feel totally different about it. And the sad thing about it is because I tell people, look, let it happen organically and don't go over the top with it, somehow that's dissing AEW. I mean, how dumb is that? Out of everybody in my inner circle doing shows, I was by far the most supportive of AEW. The only two criticisms I had was, you know, what the Young Bucks said about medical insurance and something else. I mean, it's to, to, when people listen to the shows, stop, stop, stop bundling me with Kevin Castle. Stop bundling me with Mish or someone else. We have different opinions. We have different feelings. Stop bunching everybody's thoughts into one. You know, I say some things that piss a lot of people off. You know, for everybody who's fans of Kevin out there, do you would you want Kev to be lambasted, you know, as, as a group because of something I said? No. Keep our views different, separate. Let's see, Roger Rubio. What is one of my favorite memories of attending a live wrestling show as a fan? Any cool stories that I could share? Well, I mean, cool stories is probably better. I just do it on Patreon. In fact, remind me on Breakfast Soup with Mish to do it there Wednesday because we'll have some fun because Mish will throw some stories as well. And for those that are not on Patreon, no, I'm not trying to be a dick and passing the buck over to that show. The point is, is that the stories that I get into that are really, really cool, it'll take me 10, 20 minutes to tell them. And it's, you know, there's a lot of things we need to cover today. Um, You know, the story that I have told in the past that I thought was so cool. You know, my uncle worked for the Ridgewood Grove Arena. 
which was uh, a place where WWF used to have shows here in uh, Brooklyn back in the 80s, early 80s. And he used to work there. He used to do some stuff with WWF as well behind the scenes. And because of that, my grandmother, who was an, an avid, obsessed wrestling fan, she's the one that got me into wrestling, and God rest her soul, and um, she used to always go to shows, sit front row. I At the time when she was first going to shows, I was too young. I was just a kid, child. And as I got a little older, I finally was allowed to go with her. And um, because she always had front row, you know, sitting front row, albeit, you know, a small crowd anyway, because the building was small, it was awesome. And my uncle knew all the wrestlers, got along with all of them, would once in a while be able to meet someone, take a picture, get an autograph, this and that. And uh, when I was, what, about 12 years old, I fell off a bicycle and I broke my arm. Fucked it up pretty good. At the time, Bob Backlund was the heavyweight champion. Bob Backlund... From what I remember, only maybe made one or two appearances to Ridge Groverina. Bob Backlund wrestling at a tiny building back then as a WWF champion was almost unheard of. But he did appear there at least once or twice. And the one time he was there, I, I my arm was broken. It was in a cast. And I was a big Backlund fan at the time. I know Backlund has been ripped on over the years. But, you know, a lot of us back in the early, you know, 83, 84, you know, 82, 83, 84, you know, we liked Backlund. We were big Backlund fans. You know, towards the end of his WWF run, it got a little boring. And, it would, you know, I think people were ready for a change. And then we got Cheeky and then we got Hogan. But, you know, we went to the show. My grandmother wanted to cheer me up. I had just broke my arm. And my uncle and my grandmother arranged a surprise that after the show was over, I got to meet Backlund. He signed my cast. He signed my magazine, took pictures with him. I don't remember who else was on the card, but after the show was over, somebody said, oh, let's all go out to eat. And we went to a local diner restaurant. I was a kid. And I'm sitting at a fucking table with about, I don't know, 16, 15 other people wrestlers and all and everybody's eating and I'm just sitting there like yeah you know, like shy and quiet and it's a memory I'll never forget it's awesome loved it but like I said on Patreon I'll get into some other crazy shit um D-boy gentlemen what's the worst tasting pizza I've ever had worst t- tasting pizza wow as far as pizzerias really I haven't had bad pizza you know, once in a blue moon over the years, you would eat a slice of pizza and the mozzarella cheese might have started to get sour and it would not taste all that great. But I tell you, man, I really can't remember. I mean, the, the only time that comes to mind that I know I had garbage pizza, I went to um, a baseball game. I think it was a Mets game once. And there was a, a cart behind Shea Stadium and the guy was selling like hot dogs, knishes, and pizza. And it ended up being that Elio's, you buy it in a box, it's like nine slices, and it's just like a sheet of cardboard cut into three. He had that. But because it was cooked in the same area where the hot dogs were being boiled, it smelled like hot dog pizza. It was horrendous. It was terrible. But here in New York, you really don't get come across bad pizza and i'll even go one step further i don't remember the name of the pizza maybe somebody does but when i was a fucking kid 
up into my 20s. I never saw it after that. There used to be a pizza that almost looked like the shape of a calzone, a mini calzone. You used to throw it in a toaster oven or a toaster for like a minute or two. And like the mozzarella cheese and the sauce were like mixed together. And it was just really low budget pizza. It was almost like a hot pocket, but it was outrageous. I loved it. It was awesome. Sharon Pierce, what is the chicken or the egg? Did wrestlers start cutting shittier promos so they brought in writers or did they bring in writers cause wrestlers uh, to cause wrestlers to cut shittier promos? I basically, I think what she's saying is, did wrestlers start cutting shittier promos and as a result, they brought in writers or did they bring in writers and as a result, the wrestlers cause shittier promos? That's what she's saying. Like, did the writers lead to wrestlers cutting? I'll be honest with you. I if if I had to choose one of the two scenarios you said, um, no, they brought in writers for storylines. Yes, for promos as well, but I I they weren't brought in because wrestlers some of them cut shitty promos. Um, you had wrestlers, legends, Hall of Famers over the years that always helped wrestlers with their promos. My God. Jake the Snake Roberts, Pat Patterson, others, they always are trying to help people improve promos. Arn Anderson, you know, a lot of even wrestlers of today do that. They try to help people. I mean, you look at some of the tryouts for NXT and some of the videos that they show periodically, you'll see wrestlers cutting promos. They're doing promo school. They still do it to this day. So I believe that when writers were brought in, and I'm not talking about wrestlers or, or writers related to, I'm talking about they brought in Hollywood people and stuff like that that didn't understand anything about wrestling and they were able to dictate some of the content in, in wrestlers' promos. The writers caused the wrestlers' promos to get worse. One of the notorious ones, I remember Randy Orton. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I do remember it was Las Vegas and he caught a joke in the ring. It was an insult to his opponent. And he was using an analogy with Las Vegas betting. It was so horrendous. And it was so not, not Randy Orton. You knew that a writer fed him that. It was just horrendous. So, no, the some of the writing, the writers definitely led to wrestlers cutting worse promos. You know. That's why I hope AEW does allow that real creative freedom in promos for wrestlers because it'll really alleviate a lot of pressure. You know, you got to make a couple of bullet points, obviously. But the creative freedom, I think, will lead to some much more entertaining promos for sure. Uh, Kyle, who's more likely to get inducted into their respective Hall of Fame? And if I think both are, which one first? Owen Hart in the WWE Hall of Fame or Pete Rose in the National Baseball Hall of Fame? Um, Owen Hart, the problem is his wife. If his wife is not going to allow him to go in, he ain't going in anytime soon. Um, I don't know if WWE could get sued for putting Owen Hart in the Hall of Fame, which would, I'll be honest with you, man, me, I'm a dick. And if I really wanted to be a, a selfish dick, I would fucking put Owen Hart in the Hall of Fame. Not really to bluff Owen Hart's wife, but to see if she had the nerve to try to sue WWE for doing that. You imagine how bad she would look out there, but you got to understand something. As much as you totally disagree with her take 
on Owen Hart getting no celebration in wrestling. She was his wife. You don't understand her pain. I don't understand her pain. I have never felt that kind of pain. So because of that, you know, I can't, you know, take one side or the other. I feel Owen Hart should be in the Hall of Fame, and I think she should allow him to be in the Hall of Fame. And I wish WWE would do it. Um, Pete Rose, man, little by little, people are starting to get more buzz that, you know, we should forgive him. He's, you know, suffered enough. It's a bad, I don't know, it's sticky. I don't know if either one will be brought, put in anytime soon. But if I was a betting man, I think there should be a little forgiveness for Pete Rose. I really do. Um, some other people have done much worse over the years, even though it may not be perceived that way in baseball lore. I think Pete Rose has a better shot. Uh, Lars, yeah, he talked about Lars's voice. He mentioned Edge, I said earlier. Old, you know, Paul White when he first came into WCW. What do I think of Vince Russo's AEW and WWE are working together conspiracy? Well, I talked about this already on Breakfast Soup, and I'll just sum it up very, very quickly. Um, it's impossible. It's impossible. WWE is a publicly traded company. WWE stock is influenced by business decisions, revenue, competition, a lot of different ways. And if WWE was really working with AEW and they didn't tell their investors and the investors thought that AEW was a legit threat to WWE and they sold their stock and the stock price went down as a result. But meanwhile, WWE was in bed with AEW all this time. That's crime. That's a crime. So, you know, Vince Russo saying that, I respectfully disagree. I uh, have been, he's been in the wrestling world for all these decades. I've been in the business world and I deal with insurance. I deal with bonds. I deal with a lot of legal stuff. And, you know, I've also dealt with the stock market. I've owned stock and, you know, I've paid attention to certain things and I just, it's impossible. It's impossible. You, that would, that would be crimes. It would be crimes. Just, it's not happening in my opinion. Uh, the other conspiracy theory is not a bad one, but the more you look into it, the more you realize it, it just can't be that way. Um, and if Vince McMahon wanted to privately fund AEW to try to help them succeed, well, as long as Vince is not an officer of WWE anymore, he could do whatever he wants. But if he's got the inner, you know, scope of WWE and he's running the company or involved in the operations, you know, his ass would be thrown in jail if he was doing that. So, um, and finally, uh, we all know what happened to Toys R Us nationally, but where uh, he lives, Kyle in Wisconsin, they had the Bonton stores, which was under various names, including Boston's uh, store, Yonkers. Uh, they closed all of their 260 stores nationwide due to bankruptcy. Uh, then earlier this year, in February, Shopco announced their closings due to bankruptcy. They were going to liquidize, close all of their 250 stores. Um, Shopco had an optical center uh, in addition to a company out of New York that bought out optical centers, and they're relocating. And, you know, it seems like Toys R Us, Shopco, Bonton had this in common Venture capitalists brought in up them up in the mid 2000s and ran them into the ground. Shopco was bought out by Sun Capital Partners in 05. 
Bonton uh, was out of York. You, you get the deal. So anyway, um, the bottom line is, has there been some box retail store closures in the New York area in the last year or so? And what do I think the retail department stores can do to evolve with the times? Well, you know, believe it or not, everyone, you could kind of intertwine wrestling stores with this as well. You know, they, they use the phrase brick and mortar. You ever hear that phrase, you know, brick and mortar store? They're not selling bricks. What that means is that it's a store that is a physical store with walls, doors, and they're selling items. I have not been to a mall other than maybe a little, you know, outlet in Connecticut. I haven't been to a mall in God knows how many years. I don't shop in a mall anymore. I shop online. And the more the internet, you know, gets bigger and more accessible with shopping, now you got... The drones being a legit possibility for Amazon. You got Walmart, I think, teasing one-day delivery and stuff like that. You could buy stuff from out of state and not pay tax. You could fucking return something in two days. You buy, I bought fucking furniture on Amazon seven years ago. I paid no shipping charges. I mean, I bought a fucking stove through an appliance company online. You know, I buy something and I don't like it. I could fucking return it and get a refund in two seconds. I don't even have to bring it back to UPS. Sometimes they'll just pick it up from my house. The point is, brick and mortar stores, it's a it's a it's a dying breed. And you gotta find a different niche, a different item that really is required to be done in stores. Now, look, I'm not saying vaping is the is, you know, the future or an absolute must, but you know, to me, you know, you almost think like something like that or a bakery or little things like that obviously will always be around because, the, number one, they're fresh and they'll, you know, spoil in no time, produce, things like that. And yes, Amazon Fresh, you got, you know, Stop and Shop, Peapod, all the food deliveries. You know, the problem is to a certain extent, you know, you sometimes uh, don't know what you're going to get. I've bought some fruit online sometimes and I get peaches and they're soft and they're fucking almost rotten, you know? And yeah, you could complain to the store and they'll give you a $2 credit. But me, you know, there's some stores out there that I think will always be around. You know, but as far as department stores go, man, it's it's a dying breed. They have to have some type of online capability. Even if they have an online store and they offer that they'll ship it to the store for free. And I know you have like PC Richards and some others that do that. But I think that has to be pushed a lot more. You know, you have a department store. Yeah, you could order it online. And you know what? If you don't want to wait for, for you know, three to five day delivery, um, you could order it online, pick it up in the store tomorrow. You know, I did that with, with uh, my fucking cell phone I have now. I bought it online through AT&T and I picked it up in the store the next day. There has to be some internet interaction with it, in my opinion. Dave Peralta, did I watch Kayfabe Commentaries ECW Timeline? If so, which one of my favorite? I, I enjoyed them all, man. You brought up Raven, Sabu, New Jack, RVD. You know, I loved it because I was a diehard ECW fan from 1993 on. Late 93. So, to hear a lot of little of the inner workings that you really didn't know before... It's always fascinating. Yes, as the years go by, some things get exaggerated. 
some things may not be 100% accurate, and sometimes it's a little different than what the same person says from a couple of years earlier, but it's still fun to see a lot of different stories. Absolutely loved him. If anybody out there was an ECW fan, whether back in the day or you became a fan watching it on digital video, the network, kayfabe commentaries, you can't go wrong. They're very entertaining. Two weeks ago marks 25th anniversary of Gerald the Dimaggio's The Sun Rises in the East. Do I remember listening to that album? If so, what are my favorite songs? No, I never listened to them. Was never a fan. And thank you uh, for the kind words as well. I really appreciate what you said. And uh, I relayed what you said to Mish. Thank you. Uh, Cockboy, what's my opinion with two gay males raising a baby together or two lesbians raising a baby together? I have no problem with it. I actually uh, have said not too long ago that one of my cousins, she's gay. We went to the wedding. It was the first gay wedding I ever went to. I expected to go there, and I expected a lot of my family, relatives, both sides, you know, my relatives and the other family relatives, to feel awkward, maybe make some wise-ass jokes like, who's the bride, who's the groom? But I tell you, man, didn't feel any different. It was pretty cool the way everybody reacted. Nobody tried to, uh, you know, throw one-liners. People legitimately had a great time. I see it once in a while. I don't even look at it like, oh, there's the, you know, my lesbian cousin. No, I don't look at it like that at all. Um, I just think as years go by and it becomes much more accepted, um, you know, the kids being brought up don't feel as out of place. You know, I understand, you know, why some people out there get really upset when they hear the traditional family is a mom and a dad and a kid or two, you know, but you know, look, I mean, that is what the traditional family always is. And um, you have to be able to accept others for what they are, religion, sexual orientation, you know, their race. And yeah, I am putting Don Tony character aside a little bit. And this may not be entertaining and outrageous and stuff, but I'm just telling you my honest views inside. Um, I don't know what it feels like to have gay parents. I don't. And I'm a Catholic and, you know, I'm not homosexual. I'm not bisexual, you know, so you know what I mean? So I, I respect other people's choice and I have no idea what it feels like to be brought up as a kid in a game, game marriage. But me personally, I don't object to it. If they're responsible parents, cool. Seriously. Have a experienced a girl queef before? He asks twice. For those that don't know what a queef is, I'll try to say this as clean as possible. Um, if you, if a guy like me has ever been down below with a girl, doing a little carpet munching, and while you're down there, all of a sudden you hear from her vagina area. That's what a queef is. People call it a pussy fart. Happened twice. First time was I was very young. Of age, and I remember laughing my ass off, and I remember the girl almost crying. Felt bad after, but I thought it was funny. It just was out of nowhere. Um, the second time, all I remember is that 
both of us got so distracted from it that I know we took a break and then just picked up where we left off a little bit later. But, you know, I don't remember it leading to any scent. So I, I personally don't like it. I kind of find a little schivats, but I know it's just, uh, you know, it could happen. And finally, fuck, marry, kiss. And he gives me three f- uh, first ladies, Melania, Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton. First of all, I wouldn't marry any of them. I know some people would be like, you wouldn't marry Melania? No, I, I just wouldn't. It's just, I don't know, just not my type, even though I'm into brunettes mostly. Um, I wouldn't marry any of the three. I might kiss Melania, but then again, I know what some people are going to say, you know, she got Trump's mouth was on that. I, I understand what some people say. Marry, oh man, I, I, I don't know. I mean... Maybe Hillary because, you know, she ain't going to be around much longer and hopefully she left all the money towards me. That's a rough one, man. Because, you know, ah, that's rough. That's rough. And Michelle Obama, you know, like, she's a nice lady. I've disagreed with some of her stuff in the past. Some of the stuff she said I thought was very outrageous years past, but I don't have any ill will against her. I know I wouldn't marry her and I... I don't look at her in a sexual way and I don't know if I would kiss her, you know, same thing with Hillary and Melania too. For some reason, you know, when the, the, the nudist photos came out of Melania, like to me, I was just indifferent about it. I know I'm giving you kind of a politically correct answer, but that's my honest view on that. That's rough. Thank God you didn't do the kill one. Fuck, marry, kill. Roger Rubio. Stumbled by an article that was making the argument that no child under the age of 12 should have access to the internet. He knows how I feel about social media and the impact it has on people. What do I feel would be an appropriate age for people to start getting involved on the web and et cetera? I don't really have a problem with 12-year-olds having access to the internet. But if I'm correct, didn't Facebook have a requirement that you had to be at least 13 in order to sign up or 14? I think it was, I don't know if it was 12. But it's the parents. You have to be responsible. You have to know what your your kids are are looking at. And, you know, thank God that most 12-year-olds don't know about cyber ghosts or anything like that, or they don't know how to clear their cash or their cookies. I would allow my 12-year-old kid to be online, but very, very limited. I would definitely put some type of restrictions on there that certain sites he or she would not be able to visit. And I would definitely look at the browser history to see what was being looked at, you know. But it's hard for me to say because, you know, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. But um, I think it's the parent's responsibility. You know, knowledge is good. If you're on there and you're learning and you're reading and you're watching things, but the right things and you're expanding. I mean, you know, look, I always talk about how I'm killing myself with all of the hours I put in for all the shows. But I'm having fun and everybody out there loves it. So it's worth it. It's sad. It's sad to see so many podcasters out there that are goddamn lazy. You know, I always come across, you know, people saying, oh, I would love to see this show or I'd love to see this person do this. What's stopping them? And you can't, I no longer buy the excuse, well, I work full time or I have a wife or I have kids. I have a job. I can't, I, I just don't have the time. But meanwhile, they're on social fucking media 
almost 18 to 20 hours a day. And you can't just look at a Twitter account to determine if somebody's on social media or not. Because if they're not on Twitter, they're on Facebook. If they're not on Facebook, they're on Instagram. If they're not on Instagram, they're on YouTube. If they're not on there, they're on other websites commenting. There are people that I know, and I'm sure there's people you know too, that have fucking just lied to people. Oh, I couldn't do this. I work. I got a family. I got kids. I got a wife. I got a job. I work nights. I work days. I work 18 hours a day. Motherfuckers on fucking social media all day long. The fuck out of here. Anyway, how do we even get on that? Brosinator, do I miss drinking alcohol, being on a keto diet? Also, whenever I crave a pizza, do I buy those cauliflower-crusted pizzas? Whenever I'm craving for a burger from Burger King, do I ask to substitute the buns for lettuce wrap? Well, I'll be honest with you. Since I've been on keto, I haven't. since I've been on HCG since March, I haven't had fast food at all. I think I bought a grilled chicken sandwich once from McDonald's and just had the chicken. Uh, I've ha- I had the cauliflower crusted pizzas when I was on HCG. Um, now because I'm on keto and, uh, and I have to have virtually no carbs, I haven't even dared try it. The closest I came was to have a low carb pita bread and I put tomato sauce, mozzarella cheese and pepperoni on it and tasted great. And then the next morning I checked my ketone level and it was almost out of ketosis. So luckily I haven't craved that, but the closest I came to like pizza was last week. You know, my Monday, my brother's wife celebrated her 45th birthday, went over their house Monday evening. And, um, you know, I'm on keto. They know I'm on keto. So instead of asking me, you know, what can I have since I'm on keto, they decided they're buying pizza and soda. Can't have pizza. So what I did was I took two, three slices. I fucking just ate the cheese and the pepperoni. I left the bread. So, you know, the one good thing about keto is you don't crave a lot of things. And thank God for keto chocolate and pecan, peanut butter and stuff like that. And they sweeten it with monk fruit and stevia. You know, it's not the same, but it's not that far off. So I've actually done pretty good with that right now. So anyway, um, let me shout out a few more people and I want to get into the Ring of Honor situation because that's just ridiculous. I feel bad for them. I really do. Shout out to Zach Spinamore, Jerry Stewart, Magic Johnson, Paul Woods Jr., Rich Maharg, Adam Demoy, Diogo Nobre, Johnny Marin, Michael Westfall, Brandon Foley, Switch Babe, Courtney Summers. Shout out to Switch Babe. Uh, go to my Twitter. She's She actually is now podcasting and she's doing a pretty damn good job with it. I'm serious. And I'm not just saying that because she's a patron or a female or a friend. She's actually kicking ass. Seriously. Chuck Lentz, Billy, and she doesn't just do the the standard WWE talk. She talks impact. She talks MLW, Japanese, right? She talks a lot of different shit. Go check it out. Michael Westfall, Brandon Foley, Chuck Lentz, Billy Taylor, Nickel Time, Masada Hashmi, Brent Webster, Aaron Walker, Aaron Kloss, out in the here. Anthony Smith, James Gruesome, Mark Israel, Jeffrey Collins, Tim Everhart, Bob O'Mac, Lucia Dalban, Mandingo Chamberlain, Josh Wilson, Jason Pratt, Scott Woodford, CJ Uihara, Crestman, James Deal, Donald J. Trump, Russell Zavala, Murray Coombs Jr., Douglas McKay, 
Anna Gay Banana, Michael Cuomo, Daniel Warren, Brian Byrne, Rob McCabe, Metaphysic Fox, Spider Lewin, Carl Buteau, a.k.a. Cheese Rice, Brandon Rice, and Julian LeBlanc. Thank you, guys and gals, as always. They are associate producers. They are uh, responsible for what a lot is discussed on these shows. They are associate producers. They help us produce these shows. They give us suggestions, content, things they recommend, discuss, not discuss. And them, along with our patrons, are the reason why this show's free and others. And again, sign up for Patreon. You know, again, we don't ask you to sign up so just so you can hand over two bucks, five bucks, whatever. We do give a lot of exclusive content there. So it's not like we're asking something for nothing. So check it out. You know, if you enjoy it, you got a boatload more content there that you didn't have before. And at the same time, uh, you get a boatload of podcast material in return. Uh, let's see. Um, should we talk about the Ring of Honor stuff? I think we should. You know, it's not a big deal. But for anybody out there that is a Ring of Honor fan, this just reeks of desperation. Right? You already know the situation with the fan Bully Ray and Velvet Sky and all the other stuff going on and being brought backstage and blah, 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 blah. And again, there is uh, a lot of witnesses to what this guy said. I'm not going to say, people have been saying, oh, you don't know what he said. Oh, otherwise I would have said online. Shit this guy said is almost on a level of the N-word. It's disgusting. This guy that's a longtime fan He's one of those that likes to go over the top with chants and yelling and screaming. But that night, you know, yelling, cutting promos against, you know, the women in the in the ring, getting no attention. Let me up it amp it up a little more. Let me say something even more derogatory. Getting no attention. Let me say something so disgusting that if I was at a basketball game, a movie theater, a fucking concert, you know, well, a concert, you probably wouldn't hear him, but a sporting event, a ba- just anywhere, get thrown out on his ass. Or if you're doing it to someone in a club, you get punched right in the goddamn mouth. So this guy just takes it way over the top, gets their attention, gets allegedly spit on, and, you know, is brought to the back and Bully Ray's like, come on, cut it out. And this fuck goes online. Oh, I'm not trying to get attention to myself, but uh, hey, everybody, look at me. I was scared. I was intimidated. He's so big and blah, 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 blah. And I, I can't, I'm so like soured with Ring of Honor and this and that. Motherfucker, there's been so many fans that were there that witnessed this and all talked about how outrageous this guy was with what he was saying. But instead of Ring of Honor just saying, look, we want our show to be interactive with wrestlers and fans. But there's got to be a mutual respect on both sides. You know, you just can't say anything that comes to mind. And then the flip side of it, wrestlers have to be responsible too. Now, isn't that a fair thing to say? Now, a couple of days ago, Ring of Honor, oh, we have this internal investigation. Yeah, okay. What's worse? A fan fucking getting so raunchy in what he's saying or the alleged abuse that Jay Lethal... I would think the alleged abuse of what Jay Lethal did. Now, me, I've defended Jay Lethal to the moon. I don't believe in what happened with what was being accused of him. And Jay Lethal is one of the 
most genuine good guys in wrestling. Defended him 100%. But with this, it seems like Ring of Honor is like really like, you know, going out of their way to pander. And when they said they opened up an investigation a couple of days ago, motherfucker, there's so many witness accounts online. Motherfucker, you got audio. All right. And if you don't have the audio, you talk to Bully Ray. He told you why he said what he said. Talk to the women. And that's it. You have fans that were there that said that this guy should have been thrown out on his ass. Case closed. Why they are going out of the way to try to make it sound like, oh, fans are encouraged to do this, to do that, do this. This reeks of fear. That guy was an asshole. That guy should have got thrown out on his ass. What if he would have gotten thrown out instead of brought to the back? And that guy went online. Wow, I was just speaking and I was just kind of, you know, just jeering the heels and I got thrown out over it. They are so goddamn afraid of losing more people because they wrote this today. I'm blown away by this. Check this out. Ring of Honor prides itself on providing a fun and entertaining environment for both our fans and wrestlers to experience professional wrestling at its highest level. Fans are encouraged to cheer, boo, and chant during the show while wrestlers interact both positively and in rivalry as that is the engagement that makes the Ring of Honor experience what it is. Wrestlers interacting with fans is core to the experience. However, under no circumstances should any of our athletes or staff confront or engage fans outside the bounds of this entertainment experience or outside the bounds of this area that hosts this experience. We hold all our athletes and staff members to the highest standards, and because of these actions over the weekend, we fell short of meeting those standards. We are still in the process of investigating this matter as well as reviewing and assessing internal security protocols to ensure a safe environment for all fans and athletes. All our athletes and our staff will also be trained and reminded of our policies and protocols of fan interaction and appropriate behavior in all situations. Notice what's missing so far. To our amazing and wonderful fans, we apologize for the matter, what transpired this weekend, as it does not reflect who we are as an organization or how we engage with our fans. Ring of Honor fans are known worldwide for their passion, admiration, and appreciation for our athletes, and we share the same admiration and appreciation for our fans. We encourage all our fans to continue attending our events and supporting our amazing athletes in a respectful manner, as they have done in the past, and we promise to continue delivering what the fans deserve. The best wrestling and the best fan experience on the planet. If you're still investigating, what the fuck are you apologizing for? And number two, when you say uh, we are training our athletes and staff, reminded of our policies and protocols for fan interaction, notice how they never said anywhere that, you know, that there is a, a responsibility for the fans to um, not go over the top. Now, the reason why you, they didn't write it is two reasons. One, to our amazing and wonderful fans, we apologize for the matter that transpired this weekend, blah, 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 blah. They are kissing and panding, they're kissing the asses and pandering to the fans they have left because they are petrified that this one fucking outspoken fan, and you know what they're petrified too? Spick and span. They're petrified at all of these fuck garbage websites that are sensationalizing this story 
and making it into such a horrible thing that Bully Ray did that it's domino, it's snowballing, excuse me, dominoing. Well, you know, it is a stack of dominoes falling down right now for Ring of Honor. You know, from MSG event to the other stuff, I mean, they're just drawing god-awful numbers. But there's a snowball. It's building. And what they're doing is they're just apologizing for what went. Motherfucker, that guy should have been thrown out on his ass. Where is that, you know, just over-the-top behavior will also not be tolerated? Where the fuck was that? They are kissing this fan's ass and pandering to the other fans so they don't say, you know, Bully Ray's an asshole. I can't believe they did. I'm not watching the product anymore. They are, Ring of Honor, look, you know, you're a million-dollar company. I don't do wrestling companies or anything like that. I do opinion. Not saying my opinion's right or wrong. You're looking at it from the top of a mountain. You're looking at it from an insulated bubble. You're not looking at it from the outside in. In this little statement you made today, you come off as desperate. You come off as begging. You fucking in one sense say, we're still investigating it, but you're apologizing for the way things went down. And Why would you train your, your staff and wrestlers to do something if they didn't do anything wrong? You don't even know if they did something wrong or not. You're still investigating it. This is just... Beyond PC at its finest, you got an over-the-top vulgar fan. And whether you agree with Bully Ray telling this fan, you know, look, stop. You know, just cut it out. You know, you may not agree with that. But in Bully Ray's eyes, it was probably better than throwing the guy out. Because you throw the guy out, then people like freedom of speech, freedom of speech. And unless you're going to post the fucking audio footage of what this guy said, you have people that who are taking this fan side that are downplaying what he said. Ring of Honor knows what he said. Bully Ray and Velvet Sky and everyone else told Ring of Honor what that guy said. That guy's lucky he didn't get his teeth broken in. He's lucky that a fucking fan sent the next one didn't punch him in the goddamn mouth. You you think kids with their fan and I'm look, I wrestling is is you know for me for more of an adult crowd yes children young adults whatever, but when you have a show where you have very very young fans there hearing what this guy said, there's no excuse for it. This fucking apology they gave omitted any responsibility for that piece of shit who said what he said, that led him to the back of that fucking building ring of honor admittedly they're in a very sticky situation but their fucking product is you know uh has got some issues it's not the fault of the wrestlers the wrestlers are trying hard their show yesterday was pretty damn good but the problem is you have mlw you have impact wrestling i know that you know they're not doing all that spectacular either you have aew you have New Japan, you have regional indie feds, you have WWE, you have NXT, you have other fucking promotions out there, all right? And Ring of Honor, unfortunately, does not stand out anymore. They tried to look like they were shooting with the Enzo and Can stuff, and they did fool some people, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. That's actually good. When you actually can confuse a fan to not know what's real and what's not, that's a job well done. 
I like what they did with Enzo and Kaz. The problem is, is that they just don't have any momentum right now. And what went down with this fan, um, you know, this fan should have taken it up with Ring of Honor privately. And if he didn't get the satisfaction that he thought he deserved, then you just don't follow it anymore. He did more damage to Ring of Honor by speaking out because he needed to get attention to himself. And that's what Ring of Honor doesn't understand. If you fucking cater like you just did to that fuck, you have every other fan out there who may down the line may get a little bit insulted with someone who cuts a promo on them in the ring that now every single person feels that they should be catered to. And, and it's not catered to entertainment. It's that you have to, you know, it's, you fucked up, man. What's that chant? You fucked up, you fucked up, you fucked up, Ring of Honor, man. Talk about a, a just a, a, just a, whoever fucking wrote that, seriously. Bully Ray should bring him to the back and fucking tell him, knock it off with that fucking desperation shit. You come off as desperate, man. Really, really horrible. Anyway, uh, everyone, make sure you check out our sponsors, as always. Uh, DJ Dell's Sneaker Podcast. Fucking phenomenal podcast. It's not just sneakers. He does a lot of wrestling talk. Um, you can find him online under the name Sneaker Addict on YouTube. Rock Reviews is also on YouTube under the same name. Very unique podcast as well that focuses on uh, music from yesteryear, more in a rock scene, but they review albums in such an entertaining way. And he usually chooses albums that were looked at as great at the time, but now is viewed as god-awful garbage. Not always, but very entertaining. I've listened to many episodes, and I don't even know the bands that they're talking about, but they're just funny the way they review them. Stell, good friend of the show. Uh, he does a podcast overseas called Shoot the Defense. It is by soccer fans, for soccer fans. You can follow him on Twitter, at Shoot the Defense. Texas Podcast Massacre. Think of what what I said about rock reviews, but instead of music, it's horror films, pop culture films, uh, god-awful slasher films from the 70s. You don't have to be born in the 70s to enjoy what they're covering. It's really, really unique. Christ in the Toyverse, Bob O'Mac. You can find him on YouTube under the name Undercover Capes. He reviews his collectibles, bobbleheads. Did an awesome review about my own bobblehead. It's just really, really creative, and he does a fabulous job. SubZeroComics.com for your wrestling, comic book, and pop culture collectible needs. You have uh, Elman Shah, who has a displayed store. Um, he has pop culture artwork that you could uh, hang up, like a nice metal artwork. I have some of his artwork myself. Uh, your Best Bargains LLC, like I said. Um, Raul Romo is on eBay. If you're into wrestling, cards, packs, some autographs here and there, go check out Raul Romo's House of Cards. And uh, shout out to you again, my friend Raul. He sent me some really, really cool stuff. So uh, didn't ask for it, and he sent it. I just, uh, I was very happy with what you sent. So everyone, I'm out of here. I'll be back in two weeks, which will be... Uh, June 20th already. Oh, no, it'll be June 19th. Wednesday, June 19th. So, everyone be well. I will catch you soon. Follow me on Twitter, at DonTonyD, the website, DonTony.com. Check out our Discord channel. Mish and I just upgraded it Tuesday night. Go check it out. You'll know what we're talking about. And uh, that's pretty much it. 
Patreon.com slash Don Tony as always. And uh, I'm out of here. Take care, everybody. Ciao. Support the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show on Patreon. Get access to thousands of hours of back episodes. Get bonus episodes and exclusive shows. Castle Chronicles. Breakfast Soup. Pay-per-view recaps. DVDs. Miracuzzi. Tattoos. And more. Support the show that's entertained millions for over 16 years. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Once again, Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Tune out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nevia. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found myhealthpolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com.